We're in the second week of a three-week series on moving from despair to hope. I don't know if you've had any worry or despair in your life, but you wouldn't be alone. You wouldn't be alone. Our scripture this morning is about a woman named Joanna, and you'll hear two separate accounts. The first is when she encounters Jesus and receives healing, and the second portion of the scripture reading occurs at the empty tomb on Easter morning. We have a short video to help introduce our series on despair to hope, and then you'll get to hear from the Gospel of Luke. Have you, have you ever felt overwhelmed? Or uncertain? Feel like you need a little extra hope in your life? Us too. Join Clarkston United Methodist Church and encounter God's grace as we journey together from despair to hope. cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news to the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, as well as some women who had been cured of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Herod's steward, Chusa, and Susanna, and many others, who provided for them out of their resources. Suddenly, two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you, while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be handed over to the sinners and be crucified, and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all this to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told this to the apostles. The word of God for the people of God.
attitude of prayer. Good and gracious God, we are all seeking that kind of garden moment where we hear your voice and we feel your joy and your comfort and your peace. We ask for those things this morning and we pray that we could be a source of those things to one another. Bless the words that I'm about to speak and our responses to your word. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. amen. My favorite movie growing up is The Lion King. And I, I used to watch it over and over and over again as a small child because kids like repetition. That's how children learn. And I watched this movie so much that at a certain point my parents said to me, why do you keep watching The Lion King? You've seen it before. And apparently I said to them in all of my wisdom, I'm learning it. I'm learning it. The movie's been around so long at this point that if you haven't seen the movie or the Broadway show or the live action version that came out two years ago, you probably know this story. It's about a lion named Simba and he separates himself from his community because he believes that he has caused the death of his father, which turns out it is not true. But he's lived by himself and eventually somebody comes to get him and says, you need to come back and take your rightful place as king. But he doesn't want to. He doesn't feel like he can go back and face those demons from his past. And it isn't until he has a vision with uh, in a dream from his father, Mufasa, who says to him, remember who you are, remember who you are, that he gains the confidence that he needs to return home and take his role in leadership that he had been called to all along. Remember who you are. Last week we dove into a story of healing about a man named Naaman, and Pastor Rick took us through the process of what that healing might have been like for Naaman. He had to go dunk himself in the Jordan River seven times, and it must have been frustrating, it must have been uh, perhaps humiliating. He took us through that whole journey. And this week we have another story of healing. It's about Joanna, one of the many women who followed Jesus and received healing from Jesus. She's the wife of a wealthy and powerful man, Chusa, who worked for Herod, who was one of the greatest political powers of the time. And she chooses to follow Jesus across the countryside and use her resources to support him and his ministry. And that's about all we know about Joanna, that and the fact that she was at the tomb at the resurrection. A quick side note here, it's actually quite phenomenal that we know Joanna's name. Because if you think about it, many of the women in the Bible are identified only by their condition. So it's the woman who had been bleeding, the woman caught in adultery, the woman at the well, the widow at Zarephath. We have all these women who we just know by context. And then there's the women that we know by their relationship. We have Moses' mother. We have Potiphar's wife, Peter's mother-in-law, women identified only by the men. So the fact that we know Joanna's name means that she held a very significant place in those followers of Jesus. And she's mentioned not just once, but twice. It's a little bit of a roller coaster ride as we read those two passages of scripture, because first she comes in need of healing. 
And we don't get details as to what type of healing she needed, but it was enough that she came to Jesus to see what he could do for her because she had a need. And she receives healing. She's cured. She follows Jesus, along with the other disciples named in Scripture, and then he's crucified. He's put on a cross. Talk about a roller coaster ride. You find the Savior who brings you healing, and suddenly he dies. And that's where we find her in the Scripture reading the second passage from Luke. She's at the empty tomb. It's a moment of despair for her and for the rest of the followers. They're approaching the tomb to anoint Jesus' body for burial. And a couple of angels appear in dazzling clothes, and they say, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has been raised just as he said. Remember what he told you. Remember how he said it was going to be. If you look back at scripture, there's any number of times where Jesus says, I'm going to have to die, and I will come back and be raised. He tells them over and over, but they, they don't really let it sink in. Remember, the angels say, remember how he told you. This is the way it was going to happen. He's going to go on ahead. You need to go tell the story and find him. And so they remembered his words, and remembering became a catalyst for them to go out and do something about it. They ran and told the other disciples, look, this is what we have found. This is what's going on. It's amazing. Joanna would have had any number of things that might have been going through her head at that moment in the tomb when she sees this, these angels. She could have remembered how she personally received healing from Jesus. She could have been remembering lessons that she'd heard Jesus teach, miracles she'd seen him perform, things that she'd seen Jesus do for other people. You know, Jesus brought people back from the dead in the New Testament. We have that as a precedent, and yet they're at the tomb and they're still not sure. She could have been remembering the promises that Jesus had made about life after death. She could have been remembering how she has been changed by Jesus' story. Usually we think about hope as something for the future exclusively. We think hope is a forward action. But ultimately in the story of Joanna and these other women at the tomb, it's when they're looking backwards that they really recognize their reason to hope in the current situation. It's when they look backwards and remember everything that has already occurred that they're able to cling to that trust in God and in Jesus because he's worthwhile to trust in. His promises are going to be honored. It's something that we can all practice in some form or fashion, remembering in order to look forward, looking to the past for reasons to hope now. So when my husband Joel and I were first dating, I would often say, hey, remember when? And then I would tell some story about something that we had done together. Like, hey, remember when we toured the monuments? Because we used to live in Washington, D.C. for seminary. Uh, or remember when we ate at that particular really good restaurant? It, it wasn't that a good time. It wasn't that a good time that we had together? And I really enjoy that. I like going over good times and just kind of repeating the story. It perhaps could be an annoying quality, but it brings me so much joy, I can't help it. You just go back over good stories and good memories that you've had together. Even for Joel and I, when we'd only been together a month or two, I still was remembering and saying, uh, what a great time to look back on these things that we've done together, even though we've 
we're just at the beginning of this relationship. But after a while, I realized I was causing some major stress to poor Joel. <laughs> he eventually said to me, why do you keep doing that? Why do you keep talking about the good times? <laughs> and I said, well, I'm just reminiscing. It's, it's fun. Why wouldn't you want to remember the good times? And he said, oh my gosh, that's all it is? And I said, yeah, that's all it is. And he said, okay. Every time one of my past girlfriends has gone to dump me, they have started with, hey, remember when? We had such a good time. It's not so good anymore. <laughs> that poor guy. I was causing him stress after stress because he kept thinking I was starting a breakup speech for, with him. And I was just honestly remembering how we had had some good times together. So it's not always an easy thing to remember and to reminisce. People may ask you, what in the world are you doing? But memory of the past is often a catalyst for action that moves us into the future. Even in our daily lives, as we're making decisions about dating or jobs or moving, we think about what we've experienced thus far, the good and the bad. I mean, it seems really obvious, of course. We look to the past and to our history to understand where we're going in the future. It's a simple thing. But it is true, especially as people of faith. Now, of course, a quick word about the past. Not everybody has all good memories of their past. In fact, many of us carry difficult things on a daily basis. Now, at our healthiest, we shouldn't allow ourselves to go get stuck in the past and repeat those bad things over and over and over again in our brains until we really neglect the world that's happening around us at our healthiest. Now, if you're in a season of grief this morning, you get lots of grace. Seasons of grief, you go back over those things over and over, and it's part of the healing process. But when we're healthy, we look backwards. We dwell for a moment in order to appreciate the gift that is the present and in order to look forward to the future and imagine what might yet be possible. Because for every difficult thing that is in our past, that's a reminder of what we have overcome, what we have survived, what God has led us through. For every loved one who we miss, there's a reason to give thanks for the time that we had together. And when we intentionally look back on our lives through this lens of faith, we see reasons upon reasons to be grateful and to give thanks for the people that we've gotten to know that God has placed in our lives, for the good things that have happened to us, for the ways that we have thrived and survived in spite of difficult circumstances. We see evidence of God's faithfulness to us. We see reasons that God's promises can be trusted. We see times when God has offered us healing or resilience or strength to make it through something that we thought we'd never make it through. Sometimes it's only when we look back that we realize God's presence in our story because when we're in the thick of it, we can't see it. We can't notice all the signs that are around us of God being faithful. So it's important that we remember what God has done for us on our journey. In a week and a half, we'll be entering the season of Lent. It starts with Ash Wednesday. You heard Deacon Laura mention the service times during the announcements. Lent is a season that early Christians used to prepare 
new folks for baptism, and really to ruminate on the story of Jesus Christ, his life, his death, his resurrection. Hopefully we're doing that all the year, but especially during Lent. It's a time to remember and to reflect and really let those things become part of who we are and how we see the world. So it begins with Ash Wednesday, and Ash Wednesday is sort of an unusual service. How many of you have been to an Ash Wednesday service? A few of you, solid, uh, solid grouping of you, but not everybody. They're sort of coming back into fashion in the Protestant church. For a while, it was perceived to be more of a Catholic thing, uh, but we're claiming it now, too, as Protestants. It's a solemn service in which we acknowledge our own mortality, and if you come to that service, you will receive the mark of the cross on your forehead in ashes. And some variation of the words will be spoken to you. Remember, you are dust, and to dust you will return. Remember, you are dust, and to dust you will return. That's not a celebratory remembrance. It's not necessarily a happy remembrance. And yet, when we remember that we have such a brief moment on this earth, it makes us appreciate the gift of the present. We each only have a finite number of days here on earth, and we get to choose what we want to do with those days. We have the gift of the now, of this life, of the days before us, and each day when we wake up, that's a gift. That's a gift. And so Ash Wednesday is an invitation to refocus on the gift that is this brief life. I want to invite you to join us for those services, whether you've been for many years or you've never been before. It's one of those ways that we can be reminded of our connection with the holy and how God has been faithful through so many generations and God continues to be faithful to us now. Our faith tradition is full of these prompts to remember what God has done. If you look in the book of Joshua, the Jewish people set up stones by the river, 12 stones to mark the passage from one side of the river to the other. And they said, we need to remember that God brought us through. In the book of Exodus, the Israelites are instructed to remember through additional rituals, eating of a special Passover meal, so that they can remember together what God did for them by protecting them and leading them out of Egypt, out of slavery, into the promised lands. In the Psalms, we're constantly told to think of God and what God has done and is doing. We started with the words from the Psalms this morning in our call to worship. That was Psalm 146 that we read together. God created the earth and the sky and the heavens. God set all that before us, and we are living in this beautiful, wonderful world that God has created. What a gift. But we have to remember. We have to talk about it. We're also told that even when we don't remember God, God remembers us, and God remembers God's promises. It's so important to find these reminders from Scripture because our children, our children's children, they might not always remember. We need to tell the story. We need to look back and be reminded. We need to recall for ourselves and for those who will come after us what God has done in our world because when you start listing things, you realize 
that there are far too many things to be listed. We don't have enough time this morning for me to tell you all of the things that God has done. If you look in Scripture, do you remember that God guided Abraham through the desert to a land that he had never seen before? Do you remember that God delivered David when it seems like his enemies surrounded him and there was no escape? God delivered him. Do you remember that God empowered Esther to save her people, that God gave wisdom to Deborah and other leaders to make decisions for the people? Do you remember that God sent us Jesus to show us how to live, to show us what sacrifice means, to bring us the promise of life after death. When we look at this community, we can remember certain things as well. Do you remember this church has been given a vision by God to connect people to people and people to God? Do you remember that God has set leaders in place here to help guide this community to become healthy and vital, a place where needs are met, People are fed, children are taught, adults are guided. Do you remember? You may not remember. You may not have been here long enough. You may uh, be new to the faith. That's why we got to tell the story. That's why we've got to talk about it amongst ourselves to say, hey, do you remember when? About the Bible, about this church, about our personal lives. Sometimes we have stories that we have never dared to share about what God has done for us. Anybody have a story of something that God has done that you haven't told many people? You don't have to raise your hand, but I'm guessing some of you do. Something that you've experienced with the holy that you don't talk about, even though it's a powerful, transformative experience. Memory is a powerful thing, and it can take many times of remembering to lock something into our very long-term memory and really make it part of who we are. Psychologists tell us that we remember certain things because they stand out as unusual or because they relate to something that we already know or because we retrieve the memory over and over and over again. That's the intentional piece. You can make yourself remember something. We have to return to certain ideas again and again and again to make them part of our hearts and minds so that we can't forget. That's the reason why so many of us who learned the Lord's Prayer as a child carry that with us into adulthood, even when other things may fade away. We remember some of those prayers that we repeated over and over and over again. Psychologists call this the spacing effect. The more times you remind yourself of an idea over a longer course of time, the better you're going to remember. I imagine that's why God filled scripture with invitations to remember the story of what God has done in the world. Because God knows we're going to forget. We're not going to remember. We're not going to take the time to intentionally go back. And so we come together here in this place and like so many Christian communities around the globe to tell each other the story of what God has done and what God is doing. We, like Joanna, are invited to remember the words of Jesus and to remember what God is doing in our lives. Because God is working. God is transforming it. We see it here. We see it beyond these walls. So I want to ask you this morning, when's the last time you took a moment, like Joanna or the other women in the tomb, to intentionally remember an encounter that you had with Jesus? 
When's the last time? When did you sit down and make a list of the reasons that you have to be thankful because God has done something for you? The ways God has been faithful to you or to this church or to the world through the stories of Scripture. When's the last time you wrote a list? For me, it's been a long time since I have sat down and written out a list, but that's powerful. It's powerful practice to do. So we can write it in a journal. We can take out a piece of lined paper and just start making notes. We can talk about it around the dinner table. Sometimes that feels a little bit cheesy, but if you're going out to lunch after this, you can try and say, hey, I just want you to list a way that God has been faithful to you this week. We can talk about this. It's not that hard. It's not rocket science. I know it feels a little uncomfortable and awkward at first, but we can tell the story. I have confidence that you can tell the story, that we can tell the story. You can go away by yourself in prayer. You can make an art piece reflecting what God has done. It doesn't matter how we do it. It just matters that we do it. That's the invitation of Scripture again and again and again to remember and let that be a catalyst for moving into the future with hope. Oftentimes, hope emerges when we look at that which has already unfolded, trusting that if God has been with us in the past, God will be with us now and in the future. Jesus was brought back from the dead. God fulfills God's promises. If you trust that that's happened in the past, it's happening now. It will happen in the future. So I leave you with this this morning. If you believe that God fulfills God's promises, make that list. Give thanks for every way God has already shown faithfulness to you and this church. And don't be afraid. Face the future with hope. Amen.